Hello, y'all. Welcome. My name is Dr. Nicole Truesdale, and I'm your host for my podcast, Abolitionist Dreamscapes. Welcome. And this is episode one. And I'm really excited for this because it's been a labor of love and me figuring out exactly what I wanted to talk about and kind of the format I want to, especially as I started off this kind of content creating and talking into microphones and into screens on my TikTok. And I wanted to have a space that is a bit more expansive for me to delve into various topics involving abolitionism, but also so dreaming because when we break things that don't work for us, when we break the hold oppressive systems have on our mind, body, and soul, we need other templates to turn to in our kind of dreaming about what living in life can really mean outside of capitalistic oppressive systems. And so for me, I thought, okay, if I brought abolition and dreaming together, I then can do what I've always wanted to do, talk about how we both break and make things. <laughs> so here we are. And I really want to start this first episode off by talking about what broke me or me kind of breaking out of institutional structures and identity markers that I'm continuously still doing, right? But that initial breaking, how they helped me see that the kind of life I was living and the type of um, excuses I was giving myself about why I was living that life didn't hold anymore. And that really happened when I went to the water and asked for something that I didn't know I was asking for, but then got exactly what I was asking for. So let's get into that. So the year was 2019, uh, Christmas time to be exact. And I was down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida with my now ex-husband's family. I tended to go down there during the holiday season. And I sometimes went, sometimes didn't because there are a lot to handle. Um, but this time I did go because I couldn't handle any more being in Providence, um, Rhode Island. I was at the time the assistant vice president for campus life at Brown University and also affiliated faculty in Africana. And I had had a really hard semester. I'd only been there for about a year and a half. And in the year and a half, I had done a lot probably too much, quite frankly, but I was trying to quote unquote prove myself because I was young in the role. I was in my late thirties um, and I want to say like 36, 37. And it was new. I had never been in an Ivy League. I hadn't had necessarily that kind of high of a position. I was confident in my ability to do the role, but I did not understand the kind of social milieu I was walking into because, quite frankly, I'd never been around that kind of wealth before in all areas of the university institution. And so I was getting my ass handed to me a little bit on the kind of socio-political um, realm because the ways that social justice and transformative justice and the like were kind of being expressed on that campus were very different than how I <laughs> engaged in those practices in other spaces. So I took my ass to Florida. I said, why not? A vacation would be good. And every morning in order to kind of prepare myself for the day, and not just the day, but also having to be in space with my ex-husband's family, <laughs> I would go for long walks. And I would go for long walks on the boardwalk um, and also on the waterfront. And every day I would go for a little bit longer. I would sometimes be out there for an hour and a half, two hours at a time, walking, thinking, listening to music and crying. <laughs> The tears, y'all, the tears. And it was like the tears wouldn't stop. And I had no idea that I had that much crying in me to do, quite frankly, because it was something that I wasn't necessarily um, 
trained in <laughs> as an everyday thing. Over the years, I had really conditioned myself to hold back my tears, to kind of um, quell them down, stuff them down. Because as a 6'3 Black woman, I knew good and damn well that if I walked into any kind of space, any institutional space, any public space in a kind of vulnerable way, in a way in which I was revealing um, either sadness or grief or anger, right? Even joy, too much joy can make you suspect in these spaces. So over the years, because my body had been surveillance, so much surveillance and police, I had inadvertently learned how to police and surveillance myself. And so I really didn't cry a whole lot. And when I did cry, I was by myself. I usually put myself in a bathroom or uh, closed the door to my bedroom so that not even really my ex-husband was engaging with me because he really didn't even know how to, and this is, I'm not even trying to um, talk mess about him. He really didn't know how to comfort me when I was in those moments because my tears and my grief and sadness were so deep. I'm Scorpio rising um, with the Taurus moon and the Leo sun. So if you know of any astrology, you know that's a lot of fixed signs, a lot of fixed energy, but that's Scorpio rising. And it's also where in my first house, I got Uranus and Scorpio, Lilith and Scorpio, and they're all having conversation in a real tight conjunction. There's a way that literally all I know how to do is feel. I feel very deeply. It goes really goes to the depths of the underworld and the kind of depths of those deep lakes and, and swamps and ponds that represent the Scorpio scorpion, the scorpion waters, right? But there's a way because those lakes and ponds that represent scorpionic waters are usually bounded along all sides by land. I, because I wasn't flowing in and really feeling my emotion, y'all, because I wasn't crying and letting it out, I had really stuffed that shit down deep. It was in the depths of a lake, in the depths of the swamps. And it wasn't until I met another body of water, the ocean, the expansive ocean at a time in which I had nothing else left to perform because I was so damn exhausted that my waters of the scorpion met the waters of the ocean and we had a conversation. <laughs> and it went a little something like this, walking along the shore one early morning, the sun was beautifully um, coming up and shining on the water, reflecting that light that when you look at it blinds you. So you got to squint, but you don't want to look away because you're actually seeing essentially beauty. You're seeing God, whatever that means to you, right? You see it in that ocean landscape. I remember looking out and as soon as I saw that water again, <laughs> the tears came and they wouldn't stop. It was like this guttural kind of crying out, releasing to myself. And it finally came out of my mouth. I spoke what I was trying to speak for so long, but was afraid of. And I said, Yamaya, <laughs> Yamaya, I can't do this shit anymore. I really can't. I need my freedom. Now, when I said to the water, when I asked the water, when I asked Yamaya, when I basically petitioned her and cried out and said, I can't do this anymore. I need my freedom. I really didn't know what I was asking because at that moment, at that time in late 2019, freedom to me meant leaving that job, getting another job, because I had really bounded and constricted my idea of freedom and living to my work, to production, because that was all I felt that I was kind of good for. Even if I didn't consciously think that, it was really subconscious and was leading how I was moving in the world around me. And so I had reduced my sense of self and purpose to being in institutions talking about 
preaching about, um, practicing and engaging in various type of social justice movements and social justice movings, right? Via decolonial praxis, via programming, via all kinds of stuff, right? But all of that doing for institutions and other people never really gave me the satisfaction of actually feeling like I was creating and really living and being in the world. So my sense of freedom then, right, have been reduced over time to just thinking that if I had just moved industries or moved another job that everything would be okay. So freedom was confining, but I thought that that was liberating. <laughs> But the waters had a different, um, had a very different solution for me. And this is something that in 2023, I'm really learning a lot about and learning what it means to flow and what it means to work with the element of water, especially not just a Scorpio rising, um, but also because my Mars, which um, Scorpio in the traditional um, astrology is ruled by Mars, my Mars is in Cancer. <laughs> So not only is my rising um, in a very emotional water sign, but then the ruler of that water sign that is a fiery, passion-filled, quite frankly, aggressive planet is itself also in a water sign of Cancer. And Cancer represents, um, so where Scorpio represents kind of bounded water, so lakes and ponds, swamps, right? Um, marshes, things like that. Cancer really represents the shore, the kind of connection between land and water. Because think about Cancer. Cancer is ruled by the moon, right? And the moon, um, brings the tides back and forth. So the moon literally is in sync and helps sinks the, the deep waters. And so cancer becomes that kind of intermediary of the shallow waters, the shore of what we come through, right? And that allows us to bring folks in to mother. So if we think about the shorelines and that connection, it really makes a lot of sense. So water, um, even though those are my two main water signs, water is an element that, quite frankly, I must work with. And when I don't work with it, when I try to stuff it down, when I try to confine it or <laughs> redirect it in a very narrow-minded way, it forces me, quite frankly, to have to let that go because I got to flow. And flow for me really does come through my ability to release. And I got to release through crying, quite frankly, sometimes through masturbation, any kind of release that allows one allows me to kind of get the emotions out to flow, then opens up space for me to actually grow. So let's go to 2020 then. <laughs> so 2019, I go to the water, I talk to Yamega, and then I go back to, you know, um, the house that I was staying at with my ex-in-laws and, and my ex's family. And then me and my ex and my, my child go back to Providence. 2020, before the pandemic really um, set in in the U.S. and we had the lockdowns, the very beginning of that really started to show me what freedom, what the waters thought freedom was for me, what the waters were clearing, actually, for me to have true freedom. Because I went back and I had a meeting with my boss. Now, we were on rough terms because of the issues that had happened the previous semester. And quite frankly, his lack of support, even though he kept telling me he was really supportive, I had come to find out that behind the scenes, he was really trying to make waves in order to let me go. 
but he couldn't let me go. So that was the thing. Um, I ended up being um, asked if I wanted to move to faculty and teach in the Department of Education because what was happening to me over in campus life was, quote unquote, anti-Black racism. And that came from higher ups in the provost's office and the like. So for me, I realized in that moment <laughs> that I had a choice to make and a choice was presented to me. Right. It was a short term solution because it, it was only going to be an 18 month contract. And there was a part of me that was really scared about what change would look like because I had moved my family from the Midwest just 18 months prior to that time um, to take this job. We had bought a house. I had kind of reimagined my life in this kind of New England era. And that kind of imagining, that kind of imagination, that kind of illusion was completely um, crumbled at my feet the first 18 months I was there. So when I got the opportunity, because quite frankly, um, they didn't want any issues um, with what had happened to me, I was asked if I wanted to move over to, to faculty. And in that moment, it was short term, right? It was only in 18 months and it was for me to essentially transition to something else. And so I took that 18 months, even though it did scare me because it wasn't security to me at that time, because I had fixed in my mind, remember, I got a Taurus moon, <laughs> Taurus moon, that fixedness of the earth, right, around security and safety really had me in a very narrow understanding of what safety and security was. And so when I got presented this 18-month contract, right, I decided that I had to take it because I didn't really have much else. And I also knew that I couldn't stay in where I was. And I'll be, the first, I'll be honest, that was probably, when I think back about that in 2020, that was probably the first time, I'll be honest, that I can remember in, my, in the last decade that I made a decision based on me, not anybody else, not my family, not colleagues, not what other people, society was telling us was quote unquote success, especially for us millennials, right? Who came under no child left behind and having college and student loans pushed down our throats for the kind of promise that we were gonna make some great living afterwards. And here we are, most of us <laughs> in debt and can barely um, pay, our, pay our bills, let alone take care of either children or, or parents and the like. There's a way that all of that came kind of crashing in at the same time because I had started to allow my emotions to flow because once they come out, they couldn't come back in when I was at that shore in by that ocean back in December down in Florida. So when the when I came back up to Providence, the waters came with me because the waters are in me, the waters are in us, right? So when I had unlocked and unleashed those kind of tears and those emotions at that shore, Water said, bet, they're going to keep flowing because now you asked us, you asked us for your freedom. And the only way you can have freedom, baby, is if you feel. So when I got that contract, right, for the 18 months, I took it. And I was scared shitless, y'all, scared shitless. Um, it was a bit of a reduction in pay. And I still had to carry the health insurance. So there was ways that the logistics of living, right, were keeping my mind confined about what was possible. Well, then the lockdowns happened. So I got that, I got moved over to faculty before the lockdowns happened. Then the lockdowns happened and everything really changed, right? <laughs> everything changed. 
And long story short, you know, I, we taught online for that next year. It was a hot mess of administration trying to get us to keep producing, but faculty, staff, and students being burnt out and then not knowing what the hell was going on socially, right? Like we all have that story. We have various variations of the kind of lockdowns and how that impacted your life. And for me, what it, how it impacted me was I could do nothing but feel. <laughs> I could do nothing but feel because it was by myself. So not only was, you know, I'm not in that job. So overnight, all of my busyness of my schedule diminished. No longer was I having to go into the job because even as faculty, we weren't teaching in person. So, you know, kind of locked in. And I was also like many of us isolated. So I was only with my husband and my child and the next door neighbors because we had, we lived in an area in Johnston, uh, Rhode Island, right outside of Providence that our backyard um, backed into a forest preserve. So that was honestly a godsend. That was an ancestral spirit send <laughs> because those woods also helped. Those woods helped a lot. And when I would walk in those woods, like I would walk on that ocean at that ocean, um, shore down in Florida, I would walk in those backwoods um, during the lockdowns of the pandemic. So between March and I want to say all the way to October of 2020, do these long walks, sometimes with my kid and my dog, uh, many times by myself and my dog. Um, me and my dog rest in peace. And they died. They passed away, excuse me, last year. Um, but when I would do those walks, funny thing is I would come across this little creek. And it was a little stream, a little creek of water. And during the winter months, it would dry up, right? And then as the spring came, you could see it trickling. And then as the kind of um, snow thawed and the, um, the earth warmed up, the, that creek would be much more um, forceful. And I would walk past it on this particular route most days when I would hike. And that little creek always talked to me as well, because it was reminding me that even when the seasons change, <laughs> even when... There's obstructions along the way. That water still knew where it was going. It still had faith in its direction and it still moved downstream how it was supposed to do. And so I'd walk past that creek every, uh, every time I went out there, do my cry, <laughs> do my contemplating. And that was where I started to really have to dig into my concept of freedom and ask myself why I had confined it so much to just work why I had confined it so much to what I could produce. And so that started opening me up in ways that I'll talk about in future episodes um, around concepts of, of pleasure and what I actually did and didn't like that started me questioning the idea of staying in institutions. And so that helped give me some motivation to break out on my own. And instead of trying to search for another job somewhere to just make myself <laughs> essentially um, the job by becoming my own businesswoman. And if I did that, I told myself I wanted to be creative. I didn't want to be a producer anymore. So it's taken me the last two years to figure out what the hell that means because being so long in production mode, right? There's ways that when I wake up and want to create and nothing necessarily comes, I have to know that that's part of the creation process. That's part of the flow. But when I'm trying to force it, when I'm trying to make myself produce for others because I need a, I need cash or I need something, it doesn't actually pan out anymore because that's not what freedom is. When I, because I asked the water and told her, I can't do this shit anymore. I need my freedom. 
And so now that I am in this space three years later, and not only not in institutions of higher ed, I'm, I'm divorced, <laughs> came out as gay, figured that shit out last year. I'll talk about that on other episodes as well. And it's really been this kind of crazy process, right, of of not coming out. Um, I, I thought com me coming out was going to be the kind of crux of what I would be talking about to kind of situate this first season. And it's really not. It's just one part of my overall story because the story is really about me breaking out, breaking up and breaking out. And this is really the kind of direction that I want to go in as we explore together and talk together about what does it mean to dream as we as we break a hold of a part of systems that don't work for us. And so really, it's a breakup story. How do we break up <laughs> with these systems? How do we break up with these types of institutions and conditionings that have been fed to us since um, we were born, right? And that we realize don't actually serve us or make any damn sense. And so for me, it's really been about working with flow and working with the waters and reminding myself that any time that I'm trying to create, produce instead of create, any time I'm trying to force instead of be, any time I'm trying to work instead of rest, because my body this past year has also needed a hell of a lot of rest after going through that long production cycle. I always got to come back to the water, remind myself what the water taught me, what the water is teaching me and what the water demands of me. And what the water demands of all of us, right, is for us to flow, is for us to be present with ourselves, with our bodies, with our emotions, and be able to not have our emotions lead us, but can we actually work with them and realize that once we can flow through those emotions, we can actually then come to a type of clearing, a type of calm that allows us to figure out which directions make sense for us and not what directions benefit larger society and its goals, which we know is just nothing more than taking our labor as much as it can and giving us back as little, but telling us we should be grateful for the scraps at the table, okay? So I want to stop there for this first episode. And um, I hope that the waters, when you're working with the waters, when you're at the waters, y'all, remember that nature always teaches us. So no matter what kind of body of water you're at, what is that body of water telling you? What can it teach you? What can it show you? Whether it be an expansive ocean that shows you and reminds you of the infinite possibilities, but also is humbling in nature because that ocean floor is much more powerful than you could ever be, right? To the kind of bounded waters that teach us about what it means to be bounded. And even if you are bounded, that lake still will flow even to the marshes and the swamps, right? Even stagnant waters still have growth. But if you stagnate too long and those waters do not flow, what happens then is decay. So waters always teach us and the various bodies of water really allow us to see not only what is possible, y'all, but it reminds us what living is. So if you can, go ahead and touch some water. <laughs> I know they say touch the grass, but I also say touch the water. So whether it be in your bathroom to get into the shower and asking yourself for the waters of that shower to wash over you, to speak to you and let you know what you need to know, to any kind of body of water you can get to, water is life and we have to respect it. So what happens when we allow the waters that are literally the source of all living in life on this planet to truly lead us? What can be possible? What can we break in order to imagine and remake? All right. 
Next time I want to talk about um, pleasure because that's something that's really come up through this kind of conversation with water is that now that I can feel my body, I can feel my body. <laughs> so then what does my body actually want? What do I desire? What is pleasurable? And in me kind of exploring those questions, it's really helped me kind of grapple with and come to terms with a lot of the Catholicism that was still embedded within me that was heavily keeping me out of my body and out of my pleasure. All right. So come back um, for that episode. And until next time, take care of yourself and each other.